You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Exodus is an epic tale of fire, sand, wind, and water. The adventures take place under the hot desert sun just beyond the shadow of the Great Pyramids. There are two mighty nations, Israel and Egypt, led by two great men, Moses, the liberating hero, and Pharaoh, the enslaving villain. Almost every scene in the book of Exodus is a masterpiece. The baby in the basket, the burning bush, the ten plagues, the angel of death, the crossing of the Red Sea, the manna in the wilderness, the water from the rock, the thunder and lightning on the mountain, the Ten Commandments, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, the golden calf and the glory of God in the tabernacle. There's no shortage of dramatic moments in the book of Exodus. It is a story that has repeatedly captured the public imagination and has been the favorite of filmmakers for a long time. It's a story of deliverance from oppression that has inspired liberation movements from the Pilgrim's Fathers and the English Revolutionary of the 17th century to the anti-slavery campaigns of the 19th century to the civil rights movement in the 20th century its cry of, let my people go, has echoed across the centuries. And today we are beginning this epic journey through the book of Exodus. Ten years ago, we actually started this study as we worked chapter by chapter through the book of Genesis. You see, Exodus is a sequel to the book of Genesis. It falls in the first five books of the Old Testament, which is referred to as the Pentateuch, meaning five volumes. So it's important for us to know the book of Genesis to understand the book of Exodus. So today I'm going to lay the groundwork for the book of Exodus for us. If you are a note taker, today is a great day for you to take notes. If you're not a note taker, today is a great day for you to take notes because we're laying the foundation for this series that will take us all the way into January of next year as we work chapter by chapter through the book of Exodus. And so we're going to do a lot of just groundwork today. If you're new to Antioch, we work 
verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Bible, through the books of the Bible. And sometimes we have to take a Sunday and sort of set it up. So we'll be looking at scripture today. But next Sunday, we'll start actually working chapter by chapter. We'll look at chapter 1 and chapter 2 next Sunday. But today, we're laying the groundwork so we can have clear eyes as we look at the book of Exodus. We can know what we're anticipating as we go through the book of Exodus together. So let me give you a couple of reasons why we start the start of the book of Exodus ties us to the book of Genesis. If you look at Exodus chapter 1 and verse 1... My translation, which is the English Standard Version, begins with, these are the names of the sons of Israel. Now, in the Hebrew translation of Scripture, which is what the Old Testament is written in, the first verse in the book of Exodus actually begins with the particle vav, which is translated and. Okay, So, You know, if you're writing a book, you don't typically start the book with and, right? You don't read a book and open the book to the first chapter and it starts with and, right? The, 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 the publisher would not allow you to publish a book that started with and. Why? Because it's connecting you to something before and you're starting a book so you don't start it with and. So even in the writing of the book of Exodus, even in the first word in the book of Exodus, although the translators chose not to translate into English for us, it begins with and, that vav particle, because it is connecting us to the book of Genesis before. It is saying this is a continuing story of what God was doing in Genesis and now we're moving to the book of Exodus. So Exodus starts with this Hebrew particle vav, which is and, connecting us to the book of Genesis. Exodus starts off on a positive note, reminding us of God's plans and promises. So in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, God tells Adam and Eve to multiply and to fill the earth, right? He says, I I want you to procreate. I want you to multiply and to fill the earth. Then after the flood happens in Genesis chapter 9 and and the the flood is done, God says to Noah, I want you to multiply. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1, he says, I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the earth. Then you come to Genesis chapter 12 and you meet a guy by the name of Abram. And God makes this promise to Abram and he says this, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And then in Genesis chapter 17, God makes a covenant with Abraham and says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And so God has made this promise and he says, I have this plan that I am going to use Abraham and his seed to be a great nation. Well, when you come to Exodus chapter one, you find him giving the people that came into Egypt, the household of Egypt, which is connecting us to Genesis chapter 46 and verse Eight, when he uses the same language, he says, now these are the names of the descendant of Israel who came into Egypt. Then you listen to the words of Exodus 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came into Egypt with Jacob. So again, he's tying us to Genesis and saying, God made this covenant with Abraham that he's going to make a great nation. And what we're going to find in the book of Exodus is God making a great nation through 
Abraham. And so he says, I'm going to make a great nation. If you go down to Exodus chapter 1, in verse 6, it says, Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. So it's starting out in this positive note that God has been true to his promise all the way back to what he called us to do in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 9 and the covenant that he made with Abraham in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 17. He's saying, I've been true to that. I'm making a great nation come from the seed of Abraham. And it says in in verse 6 that, or verse 5, that there were 70 persons who came with Joseph to Egypt. And remember the story of Joseph. His brothers sold him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. He becomes the second in command. A famine comes over the land. Joseph and Jacob, his dad, bring all of the, the 70 persons to the land of Egypt. And it seems as if God's plan is being frustrated, but God is actually working through bringing Joseph and his family there. Because they go from 70 persons to when they're leaving the land of Egypt, anywhere from hundreds of thousands to some would estimate millions of people, millions of Israelite, God's people, leaving the land. So they came into Egypt as only 70 people. And they're leaving Egypt with at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, leaving the land of Egypt. God is being true to his word. So it leads us to what is the meaning of the book's name in the book of Exodus. It means a going out or departure. It is derived from the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So in the name, they're giving us what the theme of the book is, this idea of going out or departing. It is Israel departing from the land of Egypt where they're in slavery to go to the promised land that God has promised them. So Exodus means a going out or a departing. Exodus is genre. What genre is it written in? It is an historical narrative. You have several types of genres in the Old Testament. You have a narrative genre. You have the law, and we get into the law a little bit in the second part of the book of Exodus, but for the majority, the book of Exodus is narrative. You have poetry, you have prophets, and you have wisdom literature, right? These are the different genres that you find in the Old Testament. Narrative, this historical narrative, is a literary form characterized by sequential time actions and involves a plot, a setting, and characters. So as we work through it, there's going to be a plot, there's going to be a setting, and there's going to be characters throughout our journey through this historical narrative. It is a story form of literature. The meaning of a narrative, and this is important to hear, the meaning of a narrative derives primarily from the actions of its characters. So rather than telling us how to live or how not to live, The narrative genre shows us how to live or how not to live by the action of its characters. So we're looking at the characters rather than looking at the idea of this is what you should do and what you shouldn't do. We're looking at the characters. But here is the important thing to understand 
when it comes to this idea of historical narrative. The key to understanding it is that God is the central character of the story. We so often in narratives want to put ourselves as the central character. Or even going through the book of Exodus where it's really sort of a biography of Moses' life. We want to look at Moses rather than understanding that an historical narrative, the key character is God. So every story that we encounter, we're looking for God. We're not looking to model our lives after Moses necessarily. We're not looking to model our lives after the children of Israel, although they all play a part in it. We're looking for God in the narrative. And how did he act? What did he do? Because he is the model for us to follow. So it's important to know that this is an historical narrative. So a lot of stories over the next several months that we're going to look at through the book of Exodus. But while we're looking at these narratives, while we're looking at the plot and the settings and the characters, the key character that we're focused on is God. The author of the book of Exodus is a man by the name of Moses. All right, Moses is the author. Now, how do we get that? How do we know that Moses is the author of Exodus? Well, I'm going to give you an internal claim in the book of Exodus. Then we'll look at the Old Testament and see some claims from there. And then we will look to the New Testament. So, the first one, the first scripture that I would give you is Exodus chapter 24 and verse 4. These will be on the screen. It says this, that as Moses was listening to God, Moses did what? He wrote down all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. So, Exodus itself, and this is not the only text in Exodus. There's other texts where it says, and Moses wrote it down. He heard the words of the Lord and he wrote it down. But this is just one verse that Moses internally within the book would prove or would point to the fact that Moses wrote the book of Exodus. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then we have outside of the book of Exodus, within In the Old Testament, we have claims that Moses wrote it as well. So we're going to go to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. And again, all throughout the Old Testament, you find it attributed to Moses. But this is one of the instances, Malachi 4.4. Remember the law of my servant who? Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. So as Malachi, a prophet, is writing down and thinking about history, he's thinking about remembering the law of my servant Moses, what Moses had written down. Then we go to the New Testament. In the New Testament, in Mark chapter 12 and verse 26, it says this, And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of what? Moses, in the passages about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So who does Mark attest the book of of Exodus to? Moses, right? So over and over again, we see that the Bible is pointing us to the fact that Moses is the author of the book of Exodus. Inspired by God to write it for us And for us to know about God. Now, there is sections, I will say of this, 
of Exodus that maybe Moses had help writing. As you study it, there may be sections of it that people helped him write. But for the majority of Exodus, Moses is the author of it. Exodus is really broken down into two sections. So this is a broad outline of the book of Exodus. Exodus of Israel from Egypt in chapter 1 through chapter 18. So we're going to see him leaving Egypt. Begin with Moses and then we'll work our, our way out of Egypt. That's the first part of the book. The second part of the book takes place at the foot of Mount Sinai. And this is where God makes another covenant, a covenant with his people at Sinai, verses, or chapters 19 through 40. With the exception of the background information given in the first two chapters, the book of Exodus covers a period of two years. From the time of the Lord appearing to Moses in chapter 3 till we get to chapter 40 and the completion of the tabernacle, we're looking at two-year time span. Right? So all most of this happens, if we started in chapter 3, most of this happens over a two-year time span. The first part of this book, so the exodus from Israel from Egypt, it shows why God's people should serve and worship God. The second part, shows how the people of God should serve and worship God as their true king. So the first part, this idea of the exodus, was for them to see see why they should serve and worship the king. And the second part, the covenant at Sinai, is how the people of God should serve and worship God as their king. I came across a video that I believe, as we are thinking about this whole book from chapter 1 to chapter 40, I came across this video in my study that I think really helps capture the whole of the book. And so since today I'm I'm not going to go chapter by chapter really quick through, I wanted us as a church family to sort of have a big overview of the whole book. And so I want you to, this video is about five minutes long, I want you to watch this video as it captures the whole of the book of Exodus, and then I'll come back and give you three things that we're going to see run through the book of Exodus. So watch, watch the screens. So there you go. We've got a lot of ground to cover, don't we, uh, over the next uh, several months. So let me give you some themes then. As you see the whole book of Exodus in that video, let me give you some themes that we're going to see recurring and some key verses that will, are shaping those themes throughout the book of Exodus. The first theme, and I, I would really say this is probably the, the one word that I would use to describe the book of Exodus. It is the idea of redemption. God's redemption. Look with me at Exodus chapter 6 in verses 2 through 9. So one theme, and I said really probably the overarching theme is this idea of God's redemption. That God is purchasing back something that he has lost by paying a ransom for it. So here's the idea. We see it in Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 9. Here's what it says. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but, but, my, but by my name the Lord did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. 
Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I am willing to bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And the first time in the book of the, or the first time in the Bible, we have this word redeem. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And so God says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who's brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So for the first time in all of Scripture, we find this word, redeem. That God is delivering the people. He is redeeming them from slavery to himself. Exodus provides us with the model of God's idea of redemption. What it means to redeem us back. As you study the Old Testament, you find that the prophets often, and in the Psalms, they acclaim this redemption to be the most significant miracle in the history. Miracle. Did I say it wrong? I said it wrong, didn't I? Miracle. People make fun of me for I say miracle, so sorry about that. I said it wrong. Miracle. That, that this is the most significant miracle in all of Israel's history, what's about to happen in the book of Exodus. That God is going to redeem his people from slavery in Egypt. So God's redemption flows through the book of Exodus. We will see it over and over again. The second theme that we're going to see is God's presence. And this is found in another key verses in Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, where we find Israel at Mount Sinai. And it says this, On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, And on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from a city in Egypt there and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. And there Israel encamped before the mountain. This is Mount Sinai. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. It's that idea that we heard in the video that God took them out of Egypt to draw them to them himself. But now, because of what's going to happen through the blood of a lamb, there is this sense of God's presence in their life. Now, what's going to happen in the tabernacle is that God will be with them. Wherever they go, God is with them in the Old Testament because he is in the tabernacle that they're setting up. And so, God's presence is with them. God's people were not only liberated from slavery, they were liberated for God's presence. And the law and the tabernacle, which is the second half of the book, create a framework in which God's people can enjoy God's glory. And so it's all about the presence of God, that God desires to be with his people. 
So we're going to see that repeatedly through the book of Exodus, that God desires to be with his people. And ultimately, it's pointing us to something greater. But we'll see his presence. So God's redemption, God's presence, and then we see God's gospel. One commentator says it this way, Exodus is the gospel according to Moses. The gospel being the good news. That Exodus is the picture of the gospel. It is pointing us to a greater understanding of God's story and ultimately Jesus' story. The book of Exodus is the key to understanding the person and the work of Jesus. I think Exodus is so foundational to what we see happen in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If we understand the book of of Exodus, we will understand the Gospels better. Because we're seeing the gospel foretold in the book of Exodus. In fact, listen to Jesus' words in Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. He's on the road of Emmaus. He's risen from the dead. He's walking along the road and he's talking with the guys along this road. And the Bible says this as they're walking together. And beginning with Moses. This is going all the way back. To the beginning, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Himself. So as Jesus is walking along with these guys on the road to Emmaus, he's talking about the book of Exodus. And he's expounding about how the book of Exodus was pointing to him. So ultimately, one of the things is... God's gospel. So why study the book of Exodus then? Why spend the next four or five months of our life together as a church family studying the book of Exodus? I'll give you two reasons. One, we're going to get to know God better. We're going to get to know God better. I think there's nothing more important that we can know in our lives than to know God. And so over these next several months, we're going to get to know God better. We're going to get to see God work in in miraculous ways. We're going to get to see God do things that, that even in our mind be like, why would God do that? And get to dig in there and get to know God better. And then I think we'll get to know God's mission better. God has a plan, and God has a mission, and it it is found in Exodus chapter 9 and verse 16, where he says, I desire for my fame to spread to the ends of the earth. And so we're going to get to see and know God's mission better. We're going to get to see how he works and what he does. The goal of our study is to know God and to live for God. If all we get out of our study is more information about history, we will come up short. If this is the case, then I think we should probably just watch documentaries on Exodus and Egypt, right? And just sort of go at it that direction. But if we come to the book of Exodus with an anticipation of knowing God and living for God, then every week when we open our Bibles to the book of Exodus, we are looking to find God and to know Him better. 
In every chapter we study, we are seeking to know God's heart and how he desires for his people to live their lives. We come to the book of Exodus with anticipation, not just because the stories are epic, but because the God of those stories is epic. And if we get to know God, our lives will be transformed. Here's how the psalmist put it. And I think this is a good way for us to end today. In Psalm 66, verses 5 through 7, he puts it this way. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. And they passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watching on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. I love the author of Psalms in that he says, come and see what God has done. So why Exodus? Well, let's come and see what God has done. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for inspiring Moses to write this book thousands of years ago so that we could get a glimpse of who you are and what you have done. And so, Lord, I pray for our church family that you would put a sense of anticipation in our heart each week as we open your word together and go looking for you through the stories of Exodus. And I pray, Lord, that when we end this journey together, that we would know you better. And that we would be living on mission for you better. Because we've seen you and we could say to others around us, come and see what God has done. We believe that you will do this and we ask you with faith to do it. In Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.